0: Are you wanting to live a life with more clarity and happiness? I'm Tammy Hill, a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex educator, wife, mother, and grandmother. I am also an optimist. I strive to live my life on purpose, with purpose. I'm here to inspire people to do the things that inspire them. Live Your Why means to align your core values with the way you want to spend your time. Living My Why includes bridging the gap of understanding sex as both a sacred marital act and as pleasurable, passionate energy that adds zest and happiness to life. I want you to embrace sexual joy without shame. Integrating your sexual nature for goodness will bring you strength, joy, and peace. Join me this season for the Live Your Why podcast, and together we can live a life full of passion and purpose. Hi, this is Tammy Hill. Oftentimes, when I teach or even sometimes in therapy, I talk about marriage like it's a, an experience within a rock tumbler where you have these two imperfect rocks that come together and they are in water and silt and they turn and turn and turn and turn and mix for weeks. And then in time, you bring them out and they're these beautiful, polished, smooth stones. I think that's how marriage is. We work against each other to help one another become more beautiful. And today on the podcast, I get to visit with Chris and Andrus, and I think she and her husband, Jeremy, have been in the rock tumbler and are still sometimes maybe in the rock tumbler. But they have worked together to become these beautiful polished stones who are doing so much good to bless a community in Utah and throughout the world. Listen in today while we talk about how to prioritize marriage within a very busy life. Hi, this is Tammy Hill, and this is the Live Your Why podcast. I am super excited to have Kristen Andrus on the podcast this morning, and we are going to talk a little bit about how to prioritize marriage in the midst of a busy life, and I don't know that there's many people that could possibly be busier than you, Kristen. You have a crazy schedule. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm so good, too. It's so fun to finally meet you in person. So, You, too. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I would love for you to share about the big period project that you do and anything else you feel like that you are doing right now that is contributing so positively to our community here in Utah.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, so first and foremost, I'm a mother of six kids, what's allowed me to easily maneuver to other parts of my life and other parts of who I am as as a woman and a contributor and an activist and all of those things that I care a lot about is that through those Years of raising kids, which by the way, motherhood's been very, very hard for me, which is funny to say because I have six kids, but it's definitely something that hasn't come as natural. Other things do that is something that, that tests me this morning, you know, <laughs> every day, which is so great, right? It's, it's what refines us. And so. What I love is that I would, I would, you know, even through all of the baby making times and the raising of toddlers, I had friends. I was involved. I would volunteer even when it wasn't easy. And so when it came time, my youngest or twin seven year old boys and, you know, they're in school. I was already somewhat involved and looking to better our community, better people's lives. We've had some fortunate outcomes uh, financially, and the the road we chose was philanthropy, not consumerism. And so, you know, I thought, I want to go beyond the church and the checkbook. You know, tithing is great. So needed. Writing checks to organizations is needed, you know, or nonprofits need that. But I really want to show up in the community. I want to invite people into my home. I want to work on policy statewide. I want to sit in people's stories and understand their plight, the barriers firsthand. I want to mentor families. So it just pretty quickly became my full-time job between 8 and 3.30 when my kids are at school. And then, you know, I I was leaving a meeting yesterday at three o'clock rushing out. I said, all right, put my mom hat on and I drove up to school pickup and I, and I raced, you know, to pick them up. So it's a, it's a cool life because it's what fills me. Motherhood doesn't, it's a great, great big part of me, but I've always had to have something more, not in shame, not in guilt. Like I love it. It makes me a better mother. If I didn't put myself out there and do that, I would not be a fulfilled woman, which would actually make me a worse mother and model for my four girls
0: and two boys. I love hearing that. It helps me feel a lot more normal. <laughs> I think yeah. being a wife has been very easy for me. I love that. And being a mother throughout my life has, I, of course, as you do, love my children. I love there wouldn't, my life wouldn't be nearly as wonderful if I didn't have them, but right. it wasn't something that really filled me. It was more me feeling them all the time. And so my choice. Uh, of careers has been something that I've had so much fulfillment from that way. So that's neat. And tell us a little bit about the period project, because that is so important to me. Oh, good. Yes. So the period
1: project is legislation that we got passed in Utah, HB 162, which put free period products into all Utah schools, K through 12, girls' restrooms, unisex restrooms. And I think a lot of schools ended up doing staff restrooms, which was so neat. We did a public-private partnership. So we were able to sponsor and pay for, with the Miller family and my family, pay for the dispensers so that we worked with the government. We weren't just, you know. Expecting it for them to handle it, but we brought in the private sector, public sector, and then offered free period products for all of our girls. And what I loved about the period project was there were four of us at the time working on this. You know, around a a much loved kitchen table, there wasn't anything cool or sexy about it, but just women that felt like something had to be done. Now, that being said, had it just been the four or five of us working on this, we never could have passed it. We went out to the community, we went out to women and 500 students. I think we had up to 400 community champions who are women in the community who were willing to go and talk to their school about it. Students who were willing to bring a period poster to their principal. Really, we taught them a grassroots effort and movement and showed them from the very beginning of sh- changing shame and stigma around periods and turning them into a party and making it cool and fun and, ex- and an exciting thing to be a part of. And so we ended up with you know thousands of women and girls, really, who advocated around the state and went and had uncomfortable conversations, quite frankly, and started changing the narrative and really disrupting the way that things have always been done. We expect toilet paper, hand soap, paper towels, but this is a natural bodily function and that girls were bleeding on seats, leaving class, not coming back to school, staying home from school. That's not Africa or India. That's Utah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? That's that's in our backyard. And so once we started talking about it, we had, you know, thousands of postcards written to the legislature and it ended up passing unanimously. But we absolutely could not have done it without women getting slightly uncomfortable, having conversations that they didn't see themselves in, that they weren't planning on having, and really rewriting the way that we talk about this. And then they're modeling that for their kids, right? And then girls are out doing that. And I'll tell you, as these girls walk in, kinder- you know, elementary—not uh, kindergarten, but you know, elementary, middle school, and high school—and they see these dispensers on the walls they look at it and they say, I did that. I was a part of that. And it will be there forever. They'll, they'll never be taken down for the rest of our lives. You know, period products will be free in Utah schools. So it was powerful. Mm -hmm. And we've gone on to do other things since, which has just been, it's a bit empowering for women across the state.
0: Yes. I, I love it. And period products are so expensive and for, on a tight budget that can be a big chunk of your you know change for food that you're exchanging Absolutely. for these feminine hygiene products and I I also as I've observed what's happening is it seems that there are a lot of more men who have been made aware of this situation and to me from my perspective in my work I often work with couples about getting on the same page around the entire month-long menstrual cycle, figuring it out for how their family, their relationship, this is going to work, and working as a team. And so I've loved the whole community, a lot of women, but a lot of men, too, have made some big changes
1: you we have to have male allies and partners mm-hmm. they absolutely i mean look at our legislature right it's 90% male so mm-hmm. we couldn't have done it without our male counterparts absolutely they were incredible partners
0: yeah i loved i love that whole movement and the energy that you put into all that you do as i observe you on instagram i've been so impressed with your relationship with your husband it seems like you really with all the busyness of your life, you really put him and this marriage relationship as a priority. And so maybe tell us a little bit about how you met and how your relationship has developed over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And it has. So
1: so, Jeremy and I got married. I don't know. I mean, it's all relative. A little bit later, he was in his 30s. I was 26, almost 27. And so we had lived, you know, full lives. He had been at Harvard Business School. I had been working, you know, very successful in, a, in an outside sales career. So it was kind of interesting to meet at that point. And I saw, you know, that he was very ambitious, very smart, funny, like just, you know, fell in love with him. We dated for many years. It took him quite a while to commit. So that was really, really hard. I bet. Um, humbled me, you know, quite a bit. Um, so we went through, we went through, the only time we have been in therapy is when we dated. Mm. You know, we, we were in therapy when we dated because we really needed it. So to make a long story short, we end up, end up getting married. He's head down running skull candy. He came in as the third guy there. It's a headphone company, you know, entrepreneurial style, trying to make payroll. And so for many, many years, he was traveling. He wasn't home for dinner. It was very, very taxing and hard on our marriage. I always was resentful. I always was kicking against the pricks and saying, why aren't you home? Why are you traveling again? And I would cry and I would be so sad and I would make this because I love to cook this amazing dinner and it would be cold and terrible by the time he got home. And so I really resented him and the time he spent um, building this business. So one day the turning point was Now, also, we all know what we grew up with, right? So my dad was like a stockbroker in San Francisco. He got up at 3.30 every morning, but he was home by 3.30. So he was at all of our games. He was home for dinner. He never missed anything. Um, Although he worked hard and and, and was very successful, you know, in his own right. So my expectation was just completely different. I didn't know. And by the way, in Salt Lake City, Utah, in my little neighborhood, all of the husbands were home by 4.30 or 5. Out Mm. mowing the lawn. Mine, it felt like was the only one that was never there and always working. Mm. So that was really hard because I just moved to Utah. So he sat me down. We took he took me to Cochina, Tuscana, downtown Salt Lake, and said, okay. I cannot do this without you. And School Candy was starting, you know, we could see that it was starting to be something and do something and really be something special. And he said, Do you want to do this? Because I can't do it without you. He said, I can be a librarian. I can get a nine to five job. If you're not in it, I'm, you know, I'll I'll do that. But do you want this? Do you want what we're trying to create? And I thought about and I said, I do actually. I do want this. And from that, dinner on, it was like, it's team Andrus. And we talk a lot about team Andrus and he's like, you've, I need you and you need. So, so I started saying, I'm going to fulfill my own needs. I'm going to not be waiting for him. I'm going to make friends. And you know, if you know me, you know, I was already doing that, but I am not going to be waiting around for him to show up for me. I am going to make sure that my life is full and beautiful and I'm content on my own accord because he's starting to get accolades and awards and Mm. all of the stuff that that brings in, in a corporate environment, especially when it's starting to gain some notoriety and and steam. So that moment on, you know, and he, he loved bringing me along. I was part of it. You know, I I really was because we (laughs) invested a lot in it. So part of it was our, our business. And so that really started this team mentality of he's gone, but he's doing it for us. He it's for the family and the the amazing opportunities and lifelong changes that it brought for us and the opportunity, just all the things it brought us absolutely was worth it. Also, when he quit and we were we we're off for a year, he took a year and he completely redeveloped how he was gonna run Traeger, which was our next. Deal. He's like, I wasn't home enough. I, I, you know, I learned a lot of lessons, and so as a team, we could then make Traeger something that we created that worked for our family. And so he was home a lot more. And I mean, by six thirty, you know, like mm-hmm. not five, mm-hmm. but but I'll take it. And so it shifted so much through the years. But me being fulfilled, happy, content on my own, and me being a hundred percent, and then him you know, working, content, happy, successful on his own. I always say, when you put us together, we're magic because I'm not looking for even a percentage of him to make me who I am. And he's not looking for a percentage of me to make him him. So we are just, you know, we just spoke at BYU and it was so fun because on our own accord, we are our own unique, incredible individuals. And when we come together, it's a really magical partnership that we're just cheering each other on and supporting each other, never resenting, because I chose not to, right. because I did for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, what a beautiful, I didn't know all that story, but I love it. And I, I love hearing the importance of differentiation in order to have the magic, because we do have to stand on our own. We have to thrive as individuals before we're going to thrive together in a relationship. And so the fact that that's what you're doing and seeing that when you come together with this good energy that you're already feeling fulfilled, you do create magic. And I that's what I try to help couples do all the time. So I'm so yes. happy to hear that. Yes. But also giving yourself the
1: permission to do it. Mm-hmm. I do think a lot of women, I saw my mom do it. She modeled for me, taking care of herself, working out every day, volunteering in the community, entertaining her friends, going to book club. My parents, you know, have a very equal marriage in that. So I saw, I saw her hiring help. I saw all of these things that enhanced my life you know, she was a better mother because of it. And so when when I came into this, I hired the help I needed. I was my own self. I invested in myself, time, energy, because I saw that it made my mom a better mom to me. It didn't take away from who I am. When she and my dad traveled it was better for our family, you know, and so when we mo- when we don't model that, we're actually then creating this legacy of victims of I can't invest myself. I'm the mom. Everything goes. If if you don't take care of yourself, not only are you hurting your family, but you're. You, I believe it's it's an, it's hurting other gen. Future generations that are going to have that same tradition of this is how we do it here, you know. Break that mold, uh, disrupt. If that's how it is for you, because it's it's powerful when you do it that way. It is harmful. I truly believe if you do it the other way,
0: oh, But I there's you can change. I couldn't agree more with you. And I, one of the things I often teach when I teach at BYU is that. You are modeling marriage for your children and what you choose to do within this relationship is what they're going to see and they're going to normalize and expand into their next, you know, the next generation. And so I agree. You get to choose if you're going to be resentful. You get to choose if you're going to turn it around and own it and because resentment really is couched in self-betrayal. You're not speaking out for yourself if you're feeling resentful and you need to be able to speak up and and have the courage to do so. So I love everything you're you're saying, Kristen, is exactly what I teach. So it's so exciting yeah. to hear. Let's say if I were to ask you, what are three strengths that you and Jeremy have together? You create this magic, and I imagine one of the strengths is that you are each your own people. But what are some other strengths you find in your marriage?
1: You know, I find that mutual respect is one of the sexiest things in the whole world, I trust him. I, tr- I trust his gut. Not not trust like in terms of like you know chastity or, or like that, but like I trust his gut instinct. I trust his business sense. I trust how he shows up in the world. How he leads. You know, hundreds and hundreds of employees here. I trust. I trust his parenting. You know, we parent really different, actually, but but it's a good yin and yang. And so I trust him on all accounts. Like I true, like, and I see marriages where, and some that I know very well, where it's like, Oh, like, Oh no. Like there's, there's constantly kind of like, because, and and honestly, sometimes for good, right. Like financially, Mm -hmm. like, no, this doesn't like you have to keep each other in check. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes people have a hard time. So I feel so grateful that I can show up in our marriage. 100% trusting his intentions. You know, if if there's mis misalignment, I know that it's not purposeful. Like I know his intentions and he's I will stop and say I married a good human. He is a kind, generous human, right? And so we know a lot of men that suffer with a lot of different things. So this isn't the case with everybody, but I did marry just a very very faithful, kind generous person. And that's how he shows up in the world. And then he trusts me and I'm kind of more out there and crazy. And, you know, we just spoke at BYU and I was like all over the place and he just sits there and kind of smiles and giggles. And he's like, you're so much fun. You know, where some people, or I'm sitting in a Sunday school class and I raise my hand and say something that probably some people are like, what a weirdo. Why is she saying this? Or (laughs) why is she calling it out? Or, it, it, but he trusts, he trusts me, right? And so we're different. We're so different, but we compliment each other in a really, really cool way. And he trusts me. You know, I'm out in the community, sometimes putting my foot in my mouth, sometimes saying the wrong wrong things, but we really, in the end, come together and we appreciate each other's differences. And that has been really, that's really been important for mm-hmm. us. I I think if I didn't respect him or I, it would be harder to find, you know, to find intimacy and, and sexiness, but I'm just so... I'm his biggest cheerleader. That's another thing. I really am. I say good things about him behind his back mm-hmm. all the time and I mean it. And he's the same with me, you know. He'll say, "Oh, I was talking to someone and they brought you up and we just we lift each other because we mean it and we talk so good about each other because it's it's the truth, right?" And we and we have fun. Mm-hmm. We really do. We we travel, we we don't find a ton of time when we're home. We have six kids and he he does travel and work a lot. And so sometimes I'm like, I'm good. Go to the BYU game, Go to the, go do this with the kids. I'm going to read a book. Like that's <laughs> how I need to be loved right now. Because the other thing that I will say, there's always these caveats, right? Like I don't need a lot. I am very fulfilled on my own. I love him. I want his support. I need the companionship. But I'm very, very low maintenance in terms of relationships. So I don't need to sit and like talk to him every night. I can be like, let's go to bed. Good night. I'm tired. I'm gonna listen to my podcast. So in that way, as a as a woman, I'm pretty low maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, at least when I talk to friends, I find out that I am. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well that that helps helps too. That does help. And I see that fun dynamic between the two of you. And so would you say that when you play together it's more traveling or maybe going to do something? Or I know we're gonna talk a little bit about playing sexually, but how do you play together?
1: You know, that that's interesting because I think yes, because of the six kids, because of the high demands and, and we're you know, lucky enough to be able to escape a little bit. Those are really like we just hopped on a plane the other day and went to LA um, for work. It was like a quick twenty four hours, but it was this really great, refreshing. And so, what I love about us, and th- this is so funny, we hop in an Uber, and every time you know Jeremy or I talk, where are you from? You know, and they're like what about you? And Jeremy's like, we have six kids, and he wants to talk about the kids, and I sit there, and if I answer, I say. We have no kids, you know. It's just the two. Like because I love, like I so easily can toggle between the mom hat and the Kristen girlfriend lover hat. Right. So we hop in a Uber. I'm like, I have 24 hours. I'm going to LA. I have no kids. I'm not even gonna think about them. But by the way, I think that's a healthy. Mm-hmm. Now he like he loves talking about the kids because he's not. With them all day. So I can easily hop in an Uber, get in an airplane, and we did not talk about the kids for 24 hours. I was asking him business questions. He was telling me what's going on at work. Like we really were thought partners. I would say we find it really exhilarating and interesting, and we are going to be influencers. So everything we were talking about just had to do with us and what we were going to and what we're working on. And he's so insightful. I had these aha moments with him that I wrote down notes and So I just left like fulfilled and better. And had we just like talked about our kids, and I just don't think we would have bonded like we did yes yesterday, you know, when we went to LA. So that's just an example of playing isn't necessarily we're out riding bikes, although he wishes we would, or run up (laughs) mountains, although he wishes he would. It's like we have fun in our hobbies and our interests. And then going places, you know, we go to a lot of events, and that's fun to do together as well. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. So, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk to Kristen a little bit about how they choose to keep the spark alive in their bedroom.
1: Hi, I'm Hank Smith.
0: And I'm Tammy Hill. Many of you, including countless young men's and young women's leaders, have requested that we do another teen dating boot camp, similar to the one we did last year.
1: As professors at BYU, we have seen the many challenges that students experience when it comes to making friends and dating. Tammy and I think that so many of these struggles could be eliminated if these students understood some of the basics for having successful dating experiences.
0: Hank and I looked at our calendars. We found one day, literally one day, that we could both come together for this event. And do you know what? It happens to be an extra day in 2024. We're actually going to host this on Leap Year, February 29th.
1: So get ready. You don't need to feel clueless about dating any longer. We want to help you grow your inner confidence to make friends and learn how to navigate the teenage dating world.
0: So this February 29th leap year, join Hank and I for the ultimate teen dating boot camp. Make 2024 different. Figure out how to socialize and have fun dating while holding on to your core values. There's no need to wait another four years or until the next leap year to figure out how to date like a boss.
1: Purchase your tickets for this virtual event at TammyHill.com. Come as individuals, friends, families, or even as a youth activity. Just come. We want to help you unravel the mysteries of dating so you can more easily make friends with people your age.
0: Once you get your ticket, Hank and I will send you a link for this virtual boot camp to be held Thursday, February 29th, 2024, from 6 to 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Come learn with us. You don't want to have to be confused when it comes to dating. All right. We're back with Kristen Andrus talking a little bit right now about how with their busy lives, their six kids, all they're doing for good in the community. I know that sex is really important. That's what I'm all about. But I'm just curious, Kristen, how do you two keep the spark alive and have creative experiences together in the bedroom?
1: You know, I think the first thing is we don't take life too seriously. You know, we keep outside of the bedroom. We, like we just talked about, we have fun. We have similar interests. We respect each other. So when we're in the bedroom, it's already, we're already connected in a way that we don't have to try to figure out that connection or get there. When It's the hat again, right? Like my Kristen and mom hat, it's the same in the couple's hat. It's not like this huge transition as we transition, you know, to intimacy. It's kind of, it's there, you know, whether it's touching or flirting or showing interest or showing up for each other, I think then translates to an intimacy that, you know, is an easy. Like I said, there's just, there's not a big transition. I will say we are early to bed people and early to rise. I woke up at 5.15 this morning and Jeremy was already out of the bed. I'm like, where did he go? He went to play tennis. And so if we were to like plan on sex and intimacy at 11 o'clock at night, every night, that would just be the worst. And so I will say... When it can be earlier in the day, now that's not always possible, but it is on the weekends or it is when there's a holiday or whatever, you know, our our joke is, and this is way too much, I hope this doesn't come out to bite me with my kids, but we're always like, I'm like, Jared, we need to talk about Labor Day or <laughs> we need to talk about Christmas. And we start laughing so hard because I'm like, Jeremy, we have not talked about Memorial Day and, or, you know, and now we'll say like Thanksgiving, like, Jared, we've got to go talk about Thanksgiving, like, and then the kids are like, oh, is it a special... And so so we laugh because we just have these little code words or something, you know, or we'll text or, you know, for instance, tonight, my daughter's having a sleepover in Park City. We don't do sleepovers with the birthday parties. So I'm going to go up to the birthday party and I'm going to spend the night because that way my daughter is safe. But I know I'm leaving at 7 p.m. for Park City. So I already know that. It's already thought out in my head. It's like, and I love to be an instigator For sure, it would be him if it was like, if, if it was based on pure need or want, Mm -hmm. but I love to be able to give the gift of that and have it be interesting, unexpected. Cause sometimes he's in this like work mode and it's late. I'm like, no, this is, (laughs) you know, this, this is I'm tired or whatever. And so if I can divert and, you know, do it a little bit earlier, differently, unexpected, it's so fun for me because it's like, he's like, oh my gosh, I love this, you know, Mm -hmm. which is fun. Like that's what you want to feel as a wife. And I joke, but I'm serious that I'm a really good wife. Like we are what we say. Right. And so a lot of people are like, I'm a bad wife or I'm now I'm a nagging wife. And so you are. And I'm always like, I am a freaking awesome wife. And by the way, he'll say that he's like, you are so great. Like here I am fifties having the best sex of my life. (laughs) This is so awesome. You know, like you're such a fun and like fun wife or, you know, and so he said to my hairdresser the other day, we go to the same person. I cut her and he's like, Kristen is so, he said something like she's so easy to love or something like that. And I thought it was something. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I love that I don't try to make things difficult or hold things above his head or you didn't do this right. It's like, I let everything go, but I really do. So then when we get to the bedroom or I want to instigate, or I'd rather do it at 8am than 11pm, like I'm easily there. and, And so is he, because we're, we're easy, which is just it's actually a gift to your marriage. Like I think people make things complex. And by the way, there are complex issues and I have family with complex marriage issues. So I get that. But if you don't have to make it hard, make it easy. Mm -hmm. Let everything go. Everything, you know, besides abuse, affair, you know, the little stuff, like I don't ever let that fester I just don't and and maybe I'm gifted that way where I can truly let it go because I know his intentions and then when you come together it's so I love it after I love the the gift of that I love it is it's it's a gift to ourselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm you know also sexually things come very easily to me so that really helps a lot too
0: yeah well it sounds definitely like you replenish one another in your relationship that way and that's the what I think is so important that couples can get that energy and replenishment together. And it sounds like because of all the goodness that's going on in your lives outside the bedroom, it just kind of naturally flows into the bedroom and you intentionally choose not to find fault, but to look for the good and give each other the benefit of the doubt. And I think those are huge, just basic principles to live by. Yeah.
1: And and transfers it it, that equals intimacy right like it would be if I was cut up and stuff all the time I think it'd be a lot harder for me to get in that mode with him or I was holding a grudge I just I think that would be it would be hard there'd be a little a little barrier and honestly I I don't we don't
0: have that barrier it's crazy Mm -hmm. which is such a blessing for you I know and just a couple of weeks ago, working with a couple in my office, it seems like one of the spouses is continually just can't get over not looking to find fault with the spouse And I I asked this woman the other day, what would happen if you just decided not to look for things that were wrong in him? Just choose to not look for those things and see what happens. And I haven't seen them yet, but I hope that it's going to help her do kind of what you're talking about, just to realize intent really should count, right? Absolutely. And if
1: you're, if you're a good wife, like I'm such a good wife, you are looking for the best in them. You are building them. You want them to be the very best. Cause then they show up for your kids in that way. They show up in the, like that, that team, you know, when they're on, it doesn't sound like a team, mm-hmm, right? right? When it's like them versus you. And, but when it's team Andres, team, whatever, then it's, it's, uh,
0: it, you just look at it completely differently. It's mm-hmm. very collaborative and fun. Do you have any suggestions for couples on how to best communicate about their sexual differences? Do you think that maybe there aren't so many sexual differences in your relationship, but sometimes I've found that couples can carry some sexual resentment if they're not really getting sex as frequently as they want, or it's not the passionate sex they're really looking for. Any ideas from you, Kristen, as far as how to bring up maybe some sexual differences that you might want to talk about? You
1: know, I'm definitely not speaking from experience. So I would say communication, but also sometimes that's hard one, like find the right moment for sure. Don't do it the right. wrong moment because then it just backfires completely. But I also would just say like, act on it in my head. It's like, I don't even think I would say something right away. I think I would act on what I wanted or initiate in what I wanted or play around the way I wanted. Because sometimes when you're logically thinking through it, you're like, I don't want to do that. This, I need it more. the Like you can go back and forth, especially if there's kind of some, some things in the relationship that maybe it's not completely flowing, mm-hmm. but maybe when you're in the moment and you can act on that, then now, if that's not possible, then there probably needs to be some, and therapy, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I wouldn't hesitate on that because that is such a key part of marriage.
0: Absolutely. It so is. And I appreciate what you said. If you're wanting something to do that and see what happens, maybe you can change the flow within the relationship so we we heard a little bit about your relationship earlier on, and you were resentful. You went to that dinner, and it kind of was a real transformative dinner that you shared. What have you learned from the times that you've gone through that were challenging that make you so much stronger now?
1: Oh, my gosh, yes, it. You know, I think you could say it chiseled away, like if you, you know, look at a rock or something, like it chiseled away all of the stuff that didn't matter and really, and and by the way, it chiseled away me, Mm -hmm. right? It it wasn't necessarily him that changed, but it was my attitude. I mean, it, it was me that was chiseled and really saying, so for, yeah, if your husband works a lot. And then he comes home, you know, and you're just Adam, 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 Adam. Like, ah, it's like the worst way to live. And then if he's like, okay, I'm going to quit and become a librarian and I'll leave at nine and I'll come back at three. Is that what you want? It's like, no, that's not what I want. So really think about like, what is it that's getting to you? Most likely it's not them, it's you, Mm -hmm. right? And so what I would say is whenever there's been something in my marriage, it's generally not him. It's my thoughts about it. It's me. It's me being uncomfortable in my own skin or being resentful or being unsure as a parent or something like that. And so I think probably flipping the mirror on yourself. Now, once again, of course there are issues with spouses, of course. Sure. But to look inward first and say like, how, how would it be like to live with me? How would it be like to have me be the spouse? I think about that all the time. Like this is, I am the spouse that I want to have, right? We, we generally give in our love languages. And I think that's how I am in my marriage. And so I think rather than we can't change people, we know that, but we can change ourselves and we can change our thoughts. And so as I look back on all of the trying times in our marriage, it's generally me that's changed that I'm like, oh, it's so much better now. You know, it's not necessarily that he changed his behaviors or actions, nor really was that probably what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Now, is he amenable to change? Did he, after school candy, say, I need to rewrite the way that that I do this. Yes. Um, But it wasn't because I was harping on him is because he wanted to be around our family. He wanted to be at home. You know, that's the, you want them to come home and feel loved and want to be around you, especially in the chaos of six kids like we have, you know?
0: Right. Right. So well said of looking inward and seeing what is it that I'm not speaking up for myself here or What is the refinement that I need to be making to stand up a little stronger and wholeheartedly in all of this? I appreciate that. I often think we are the ones that create the problems because of our dissatisfaction with ourselves.
1: Yes, I see that, you know, an Instagram following. I see that a lot Mm -hmm. for sure.
0: You are just delightful to talk to, and I I just think you're even more cool than I thought you were going to be, and I thought you were going to be really cool. So. Oh, shucks. <laughs> thank you for being with us. I always love to end this Live Your Why podcast to ask my guests a little bit about your why. Can you tell us what your why is? What drives you, Kristen, to be this wonderful, outgoing, enthusiastic, beautiful woman that you are?
1: Well, Thank you you know my my why is that i want others to live their best life i want i want to share my enthusiasm for things because i'm trying to create change for those who maybe can't create change themselves i believe that my the richest my life gets is when i'm out helping others, serving others, changing things for others. I get way more out of it than they do for sure. But I think life is so empty if you, I believe for me, living it kind of inside a bubble. And when you get out into your community, your world, your neighborhood, wherever that is for you, and you can understand what people are going through, you can sit with them in it. And then love them through it, help them through it. It's really beautiful. And I, you know, I look to Jesus Christ who That's what he did. I look at how he spent his time, who he spent his time with, and I think that that's what he would do. It's a really fulfilling way to live. And I love vacations. I love nice things, but what what I would choose all day long, and I do every day, and then the next day, and then the next day, is to try to help people better their lives so that they can live their to their fullest potential and break down barriers when that's not the case because a lot of us are very lucky and it's luck. You know, we could have been born in any situation. And so knowing that, I feel like I have so much responsibility to love and lift and help others.
0: Mm. I, you just have the biggest, most beautiful heart and I appreciate who you are and what you say your why is as I observe you you definitely are living aligned and it's wonderful to see I'm sure that's what brings you so much peace and happiness
1: thank you so much
0: thanks for being with us today
1: thank you Tammy that was a wonderful time spent with you thank you